it will be known as the day the sports world came to a screeching halt over the coronavirus. March 12th, 2020. March Madness is canceled. The NBA is suspended. So is the NHL and the MLB in spring play. The XFL season is over. The NFL owners meeting has been canceled. The draft may be postponed. Stocks are plunging and coronavirus fears are taking over this country. Hello everyone. My name is Christopher Linfont bringing you another edition of the Nest Talk podcast. The best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the entire internet. And today is a Thursday night unlike any other. Here I am sitting 11.42 p.m. on a Thursday night, Thursday, March 12th, 2020 bringing you the recap episode of what just went down today. And I know it's not Ravens news specifically, but the entire sports world has been affected by COVID-19, the coronavirus outbreak. And if you're not familiar with the coronavirus outbreak, you're living under a rock um, because literally the entire world cannot stop talking about it. And for good reason, this virus threatens the lives of millions of people across the world. It broke out in China, in Wuhan, China, and has rampaged since then, affecting countries like Italy, like Iran, China, of course, um, at huge levels. And of course, now it's in America. We're seeing stocks plunge. We're seeing events canceled. South by Southwest has been canceled. Things outside the sports world canceled here, there, and everywhere. And we have to talk about it. We have to get through this together as sports fans. It affects us all. And I did mention the NFL draft. The NFL is evaluating it, but we do have to talk about that right after we do housekeeping. Um, Now, if you're listening to the podcast, wherever you're listening to it, um, make sure you follow us, you rate us, you subscribe, wherever, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, um, Radio Public, Overcast, wherever you are listening to this, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like us, give us a rating. It always helps new people find the podcast, and of course it gives us feedback of what... um, you guys like and what you guys don't like, you can leave us a comment on the YouTube channel. You can tweet us at Nest Talk, whatever you want us to talk about on the show. We will, of course, try to make time for it. Um, now, make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can search us up on Facebook as well. Search the Nest Talk podcast there. And if you're looking for the Baltimore Feather, you can find us at Be More Feather. Search us up on Facebook, the Baltimore Feather, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens blog on the entire internet. Subscribe to the email news list on BaltimoreFeather.com. And it really helps out. You know, you know. I've been personally affected by this coronavirus here. As many of you know, I am a college student, and my school has shut down for the foreseeable future. We're moving to online classes, and of course, that will be difficult with professors who are notoriously bad with computers, but, you know, um, we'll see how that goes. So, everyone here is being affected by coronavirus in some way or another. My portfolio in the stock market tanking dramatically. Schools are closing, and of course... Sports events are closing. Now, the NFL has said the new league year will start on schedule on March 18th, but there's no word on the events after that except for the owners' meeting, which is now Kaputsky. It's been canceled. And, of course, this important dates article I wrote a few weeks ago, which was widely viewed, a lot of people liked it, um, is pretty much useless now because things are going to be canceled and postponed. I'm guaranteeing you more things in the NFL are going to be postponed here. And I know the transition tag um, 
transition tag franchise tag i believe that goes into effect on monday the deadline for that that's been extended so this is already basically worthless but speaking of of the blog i mean and coronavirus i am convinced that the coronavirus is actually tampering with the blog's website um, statistics here people are just not interested in the ravens right now everyone is focusing on the coronavirus and you know we're publishing great articles here and nothing has changed other than we're getting less views for the same kinds of articles so the only thing i can think of is people are getting really interested in the coronavirus for good reason trying to stay safe uh and no one seems to have time for the ravens right now but that's okay we'll continue to talk about it as long as you have time for the ravens but let's go down some of the things here that could be um altered could be tampered let's say on this NFL important dates list. Of course, the deadline of franchise tag, I believe that was moved to Monday. Tampering period also begins next week. League year starts March 18th. That is on schedule. But the league meetings beginning on March 29th in Palm Beach, Florida, canceled. Gone. Kaputsky. Um, Off-season workouts start supposedly April 6th for teams with new head coaches. You gotta wonder, is that going to be postponed? We've seen in the NBA, players contracting the coronavirus, celebrities contracting the coronavirus, Tom Hanks with the coronavirus, Justin Trudeau's wife, the Prime Minister of Canada, his wife has coronavirus. Um, But Donovan Mitchell and uh, Gobert from the Utah Jazz, both with coronavirus, I believe Gobert was the first one with it. But an outbreak in the NFL like that would, I would imagine, would bring it to a screeching halt. And there are so many more NFL players then there are NBA players, so you have to wonder, you have to wonder, is it only a matter of time until one of these players gets it? Now, many teams throughout the league, I don't believe the Ravens have done it yet, but many teams throughout the league have restricted the travel of scouts, GMs, um, everywhere. So they're not going to pro days, they're, not, they're just reviewing film, either from home or in the office. If the office is even open, some teams are closing down their facilities. And pro days themselves have been canceled. I believe Michigan was the first shoe to drop on that list. And that is a huge issue for a lot of prospects. So the big question, the huge question, is going to be whether the NFL draft is postponed. And I wrote an article today and I published it very quickly because I wasn't sure if it was going to get postponed before the end of the day because shoes were dropping everywhere. The NBA, of course, announced last night it was suspending play, but other leagues were going crazy with suspensions of play. March Madness was canceled. I can't believe canceled. They canceled it. But the big question is whether or not the National Football League is going to postpone the draft. They're not going to cancel the draft, obviously. You can't just cancel the draft. Teams need to fill rosters. So will it be postponed because teams are not scouting players the way they usually do and are not attending pro days are pro days aren't even being held at some schools right now does that mean that they need extra time to evaluate is the draft going to get pushed back you know i honestly i i imagine that there's a very good chance that the draft will be postponed i'm not in favor of doing it though so here's the reason i want to see the nfl basically just sit and do nothing for a little bit because i believe you know, the coronavirus is a huge health scare to this country, and it's a huge health scare to the world. I understand that completely, but I do believe we've given in to essentially mass hysteria at this point. Because remember, I mean, it's a deadly virus. It spreads like wildfire. I get it. But, 
you know, we have diseases that have ravaged this country every year. The flu has killed so many more people than coronavirus. It's affected so many more people than coronavirus. Coronavirus can top it if we're not careful. I understand that. But, you know, it, it it's, it's to the point where we're rushing out to stock up on toilet paper and runs on toilet paper and runs on everything. I went to the supermarket the other day. Paper towels, all gone. How is this going to help you from coronavirus? You know, I believe March Madness being canceled was a mistake. I think that they should have postponed it. Why just cancel it? They could postpone it. I believe that at some point we will get a grasp on this thing. You know, we remember the swine flu, which was not as dangerous, but it was still very dangerous. We've had all these Ebola. We've had Zika. We've had all these outbreaks. Not as bad as this one, but we've gotten through them. This one's tougher. I believe we'll get through it, though. But postponing these events like March Madness would have been the safer option. But there's a very good chance, in my opinion, that the NFL draft will commence at a point when coronavirus has been taken care of. Because we're seeing in other countries, in China, in in Italy, you know, they've taken some measures I don't agree with. But we've seen, in South Korea, let's say, we've seen the number of cases go- dwindle. It's declining now. Well, it's technically still increasing, but the rate of acceleration is declining. So it's losing steam. When we reach that point, it's going to be safer for everybody. So postponing the draft right now, going out, coming out tomorrow and saying, hey guys, the draft is not going to be on April, what is it, 23rd, uh, 26th, something like that. 23rd, it starts on April 23rd. The draft won't be on April 23rd. It'll be some time later. That would be a mistake because there's a very good chance by that point this hysteria is all going to go away. It's going to be much safer outside for everybody. Now, here's the other thing. Teams need players. Postponing the draft postpones mini camps. They postpone training camp because you need to get these players in the rhythm. You can't just draft them and then two days later they show up and then it's mini camp time. I mean, I guess you could try that. Well, that's essentially what it is, minicamp. I meant training camp. But you could, I mean, you could try to go right into training camp from the draft if you really wanted to postpone it. But what I would do, if, if it really comes down to a risk of spreading the disease at the draft, okay, if that's a big issue with tons of fans there, then just limit fans. Do it in the league offices because teams call on their pick anyway. It's not like all the head coaches gather in one spot. We have phones. We've got the internet. We can conduct the draft remotely, online, over the phone, however we do it, the drafts can still be conducted without fans present. Really, the fans being present is a new thing, right? For years, it was done in hotel um, conference rooms, essentially, in meeting halls, you know, the cliche smoke-filled room of politics. Well, that was a thing for the NFL, too, okay? That was for years. Eventually, you know, it kind of got to be a spectator sport itself, the draft. And then we moved from Radio City Music Hall, which can only fit a few thousand fans, to where was it? Where to go the first year? Wherever it went the first year, I don't remember. But, you know, Philadelphia, Nashville, and all these places where hundreds of thousands of fans could theoretically show up. And I think it was like 100,000 or something like that. I don't remember the exact statistic, but there was one year. Maybe it was Philadelphia where a ton of people showed up. I went to that one. Very fun, by the way. Lots of standing and waiting, but very fun. Um, But yeah, if it does 
come to the point where the NFL does not want fans there, does not want to even bring league personnel together, the draft can be done remotely. The war rooms are in every single NFL facility across the league. All 32 teams have their own war rooms. They don't need to send delegates to the draft. They can call it in. If Eric DaCosta wants to pick up the phone to the league office and call it in himself, I mean, it, it can work that way. So, the league should not postpone the draft yet. I'm glad they didn't give in to the snowball effect that was today. Because once one league calls it off, the others are just going to follow. It's the same thing that's happened with the colleges across America. And I get the colleges more than the sports, though. You know, because colleges closing for a period of time, elderly faculty. That's that's a huge problem for elderly. The elderly are the most accessible to this. But can- canceling March Madness instead of playing with no fans, or even postponing it, young people, I mean, are still at risk for the coronavirus, but it's it's definitely, it's, it's way more mild. And supposedly, according to the reports, and you know, I'm not a doctor here, but according to the reports I've been listening to, it's just not that bad for the vast majority of young people, young, healthy people. Of course, you would probably want to restrict fans to, let's say, March Madness, but you still could have played without fans. You still would have got that TV revenue. I mean, you're losing all the revenue now. All of it. And now, you know, a team like Rutgers, okay, my college basketball team, hasn't been in the conference for, like, 20 years, not been in the NCAA tournament, gets its first shot in ages, and now there's no NCAA tournament. And instead of just postponing it, which was what they really should have done, they just they just dropped the ball on it. Now, I get a suspension of play for NBA and NHL. There's plenty of season left. They can wait that out. I get that. That's okay. But to just cancel March Madness doesn't make sense. And the, the, the biggest, I mean, listen, the XFL canceling, too, is a major disappointment because I was enjoying that a lot, and a lot of people were. Um... You know, the XFL being gone for the rest of the season. They didn't just suspend play. They had five weeks left. You know, they're allowing players to go on and sign with NFL teams now. It's officially over. XFL season over. They have the funding for the rest of next year. So they'll be back. There's no question they'll be back. But, I mean, it's just a shame to see that just go out the window so quickly. What a what a great start to that league, though. Um, but, yeah, not to harp on the same points here. It's, it's very disappointing. I mean, again, I understand why things are going on like this, but it's very disappointing to see all these events that people really wanted to see, you know, just thrown away. And it's not like, you know, we're postponing these things. We're just, they're just not happening. They're, it's not like a single day event, though. The March Madness is not a single day. It's, it's a long event. Instead of postponing it to May, May Madness, okay, why don't we do that? May Madness. Instead of postponing it to May, we just outright cancel it. it. I don't, I don't understand it. I think we're. I mean, listen, we need to be vigilant about this. This virus, it's, it's a big threat. It's a huge threat. But there is hysteria that set in, and I think a lot of us are letting the hysteria get to ourselves here. And it, it is a good thing that that the leagues around the country have suspended play. It's a good thing. It's generally a good thing. But to cancel March Madness and the notion of canceling or postponing the draft, I don't think are the right decisions for those specific instances because, of course, you could postpone March Madness and the draft is just too early. So we'll see what Roger Goodell does with the draft. Um, 
but I don't I don't think he's gonna make a move yet. I think we'll wait till we get closer though. And I think there's gonna be two factors as I stated earlier. The first being will it be transmitted at the draft? If there's a fear of that, that'll get it postponed or moved remote. And number two is do the evaluators not have the best grip on the prospects? If that's the case, then there's a very good chance the league will postpone as well. But let's get straight into some other news that's not coronavirus related because you don't want to spend your morning commute trying not to listening to the listen about the coronavirus to a guy rambling about the coronavirus in sports. So let's get straight into Ravens news. And there actually was a couple of things this week, you know, in the offseason here that we do have to talk about. And the first one, I mean, this one's a blow. As first reported by Barstool Banks, believe it or not, he's been pretty good. Barstool Banks on Twitter has been pretty good breaking some Ravens things. But this, of course, stings. It's not a report you wanted to hear. Ravens legend, and I mean legend, right guard Marshall Yonda, retired, gone. 13 years in the league, hangs up his cleats. And honestly, you know what? I don't blame this guy one bit. I do not I can't place any blame on Marshall Yonder for packing it up at this point in his career. 13 years with the same team from 2007, his rookie year, all the way until 2019, Marshall Yonder. I mean, that dude is one of the best right guards to ever do it. One of the best interior offensive linemen to ever do it. There's no question. He belongs in Canton. You know, I think this last year solidifies it too. I mean, there's no way he doesn't. His accolades, his eight Pro Bowls, his first-team All-Pro lists, being named that twice, five second-team All-Pro lists, was a Pro Football Writers of America All-Rookie um, member of, in 2007, and he won a Super Bowl in 2013 with the Baltimore Ravens. There's no way that Marshall Yonda stays out of Canton forever. Now, I don't think he's a first-ballot Hall of Famer. By you know any stretch of the imagination, I think it'd be very tough for him to pull that off. But I think 10, 15 years down the road, he'll be in there. So sometime between then, it could be three years from now, it could be 15 years from now. But at some point in that time frame, I wholeheartedly expect him to be in Canton. Adding to the Ravens, you know, very impressive run here with a bunch of potential um, Hall of Famers. You know, we had one. We had Ogden in 2013. He was put in. You know, being a young franchise, you don't have a lot immediately. But, you know, how many Jacksonville Jaguars Hall of Famers are there? I bet you there's not many. So, the Ravens being so young like this and getting Ogden, Ruiz, Lewis, then Reed. Now we're looking at Marshall Yonda and Terrell Suggs in the near future. That could be five right there Hall of Famers for the Baltimore Ravens. That would be huge. Um, but a huge part of Marshall Yonda's retirement, though, is what the heck are the Ravens going to do without him? Because, honestly... Being the best right guard in the league for a very long time, Marshall Yonda, he mean, is he even replaceable? I mean, Eric DeCosta joked around in that press conference, the retirement press conference, after he said that Marshall was going to join the Ring of Honor, by the way, but he's going to wait behind Billick, who is waiting behind Haloti Nada, and then behind him will probably be Suggs and then Flacco, so it's going to be a very long waiting list for the Ring of Honor. But, you know, Eric DeCosta was essentially joking, like, Oh, if, you, if you've got a, uh, a suggestion on how to replace Marshall, uh, please let me know. <laughs> because, you know, there is no plan. There's really, what is the plan? You cannot adequately replace this man. It just isn't going to happen. 
you can't just draft some first round pick and expect him, expect him to play to Marciano's level. You, it's just no way. I mean, there are tons of great offensive linemen in this draft, and I haven't had the time with all the craziness that's been going on to actually delve into the draft, and I'm getting a little annoyed because I haven't been in there. Hopefully this week, this upcoming week, I'll be able to get into some drafts, uh, you know, prospect highlighting and whatnot. But, you know, looking at the draft, the free agency, there's a lot of guys that we could bring in to, you know, fill a spot in that way, replace, in quotation marks, Marshall Yonda, but you can't get the same caliber of player. It's going to be very, very difficult to do that. I mean, this dude went to eight Pro Bowls in 13 years. He's been a stud. He's been one of the best linemen consistently every single year. And he's gritty. He was, you know, one of those guys that you just wanted fighting for you in the trenches because he put the work in every single play, and he loved it. And, you know, the Ravens have some really good bookends. They've got... Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. at right tackle. They've got Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, who extension needs to be given to. Where's the Ronnie Stanley extension, Eric? Where is it? We need it. I want it right now. Um, But we don't have it yet, so that's there. You know, the guard position, what's really there? We've got Bradley Bozeman, who was eh. He was meh at best this season. He had a lot of problems. I think he can improve. Um, but you know, he's, he's really not the best guard on, you know, he should not be the best guard on a team is what I'm trying to say. And right now I guess he kind of is because who else we have? James Hurst, who I don't even expect to be on the Ravens this upcoming season. We've got Patrick McCarry who filled in at center, but you know, maybe he's better at guard. We could put him at guard. You've got Matt Skura coming off the, uh, IR with that, what was it, a knee injury? He blew out his knee or something like that. Horrible injury. He was having a pretty good season, by the way. Um, but he's going to play center if he's coming back. And that's an if because we got to see how he recovers from this injury. We just don't want to assume that. I hope he does. He was actually pretty good last year. Big step up. Um, but, you know, the Ravens are basically going from guard being a third fourth round need to it being a second round need, maybe even a first. Depends on what goes on. Depends on if we get Vic Beasley, who I've been saying for a long time now, should be a Raven. Depends on if we franchise tag Judon. If we can lock up those edge rushers, maybe we take guard first round. If there's even a guard first round to get, maybe we go wide receiver first round. So the big three the big three positions for the Ravens were inside linebacker, edge, wide receiver. Now there's four big positions. Inside linebacker, edge, wide receiver, offensive line, specifically the guard, because tackles we don't need. We're not replacing Orlando Brown because the dude's amazing, and we're not replacing Ronnie Stanley because we're going to extend him as long as Eric DaCosta you know, does his job properly. We'll be extending him, and I wholeheartedly expect that to happen. But, you know, I mean, I forgot to mention inside linebacker when I was talking earlier about potential moves here. What are we going to do at inside linebacker, okay? That's a big question. Do we draft one first round? Because we're missing the Ray Lewis, the C.J. Mosley of the defense. We don't have one anymore. I would have loved to have kept C.J. Mosley. It didn't work out. Um, you know, do we sign one? Do we get Reggie Ragland, who would be an okay addition, but he's not Mosley. He's not Lewis. He's not Luke Keekley, who just retired, by the way. 
didn't he just retire? Yes, I believe so. Um, so it's all going to depend on what the Ravens do in free agency. I think the Ravens have the easiest holes to fill in free agency at the uh, edge position because they could franchise tag Judon, figure out a long-term exemption after that. If that doesn't work, they could always trade him. Uh, but I think Vic Beasley, there's some budget guys out there who actually would provide a lot of value for the Ravens, Beasley being one of those budget guys. That's going to be the easiest um, position to address in free agency. Inside linebacker is going to be kind of difficult. I don't know if the Ravens can spend money on a top guy. I don't even know what that market's really looking like. There's not really a lot of guys, when I looked at it, that impressed me enough, though. Reggie Ragland really is the only guy I thought of because um, Dominic, our contributor at the Ravens, uh, I'm sorry, at BaltimoreFeather.com here, mentioned that in the podcast, and I got thinking that that would be a good addition. But there's no one to really dominate there. And, and wide receiver as well. I mean, I'd like it if Muhammad Sanu got cut from the, the New England Patriots. I'd love for the Baltimore Ravens to try to scoop him up. He'd be a cheap option. He'd be a prototypical big guy, you know, and he'd probably fit well with Marquise Brown on the other side. Then we could maybe draft a receiver later in the rounds too because it's a very deep class. Um, you know, maybe Brandon Ayuke or whatever his name is, however you pronounce it. I'm sorry. I just can't pronounce these names. Um, but someone like that might benefit us as well. But offensive guard, I mean, that's a huge need now because Marshall's gone. Because you're going to need a left and a right guard, basically either to develop or just someone else to plug and play in either of these positions here because you don't want to have both your guards being the down spot for your um, for your offense here because an interior pass rush could kill Lamar Jackson. I mean, think about that for a second. Lamar Jackson is really good when he has that split second in the pocket to either you know, do the handoff fake or fake the run himself. If he doesn't have the time, if he's being pressured from inside the pocket like that, and that um, north-south hole is being covered by these guys because our guards can't push them away, it's going to stop marking him. It's going to stop Gus Edwards from going at the middle. It's going to slow down the read option game. It's going to make things a lot more difficult for Lamar Jackson and the offense to move. So we need those guards. We need competent guards. Maybe Bozeman is the guy long-term at left guard, but who's going to be at right guard? Is it Ben Powers? We didn't see him at all last year. Maybe it is Ben Powers. Because remember, they drafted him knowing Marshall Yonda could at some point retire. And this is a dude that likes to, quote, bully people at offensive line or whatever he said. I don't remember the exact quote. But he likes to bully people inside um, the line there. So maybe it's Ben Powers. Maybe it's not. Maybe we draft one. But now we've got four big needs heading into the draft. And this is this was a very solid team. I'm not saying it's coming apart, but, you know, if we lose some key pieces in free agency, like Judon, um, you know, we probably lose Jimmy Smith, we'll probably cut Brandon Carr. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys we'll probably be losing. It's time not for a rebuild, but a reload of sorts for some of these veterans here that either we're not going to afford to keep or we're just going to let go. The bright side is, though, I, I, I think we're in a very good position to reload well, um, as so long as we pick the right players to do that. So, but, you know, Rihanna retiring does make it a little more difficult. And I was hoping he would play one more year, but you gotta, you gotta admire the fact that Yanda gave us last year when he was considering retiring. Um, and you've got to respect the decision because, you know, it's his life, it's his health. And if you look at the press conference, I mean, he, he lost weight. Already lost weight. He's getting healthier because he takes a beating every single Sunday. 
at you know that position. I mean, it's one of the worst positions to play, offensive line, in terms of health, because you take a beating every single week. You know, if you're a quarterback, you know it can hurt, but you're not getting hit every single play. Linemen might be the only position on the offensive defensive side where you get hit literally every single play. There's not a play you don't get hit. So, I mean, 13 years, you just got to give him credit for getting that far. Because I couldn't even last a year in the NFL. So, but that's the news. Marshall Yonder retires, and that's going to take some money off the books for the Ravens. Uh, I didn't write that down. I probably should have because, you know, when we're looking at the free agency numbers here, we want to know what that does for the Ravens. Maybe they're paying him the rest of his contract. I don't know if it even counts towards the, the cap hit. It does. So the Ravens only have $4 million to pay him for this upcoming year. I believe his salary is basically negated because that's only the signing bonus. So the Ravens will have actually some more cap space from this, which actually could help them in the long term here. The Ravens have, let's see, where they rank now based on spot track, 21st in the league on cap space with $37 million now open. Um... That, that franchise tag on Judon for six million, 16 is looking a lot better because it was roughly $30 million in cap space when I last analyzed that position. It's now 37. The Ravens can add up another $7 million to the cap space by cutting Carr, which I wholeheartedly expect them to do. Either that or restructure his contract to make it so that he earns less, takes a pay cut. If that's the case, they have $42 million in cap space, and then that $16 million is looking real easy for the Ravens at that point. They could do that. Still have, what would they have? Quick math here, 42 minus 16. That would be, they'd, they'd have about um, 20, no, 26 left? That can't be right. Yeah, $26 million in cap space left they would have if they cut Brandon Carr. So, uh, and with that money, they can do a lot of things. Maybe they re-sign Jimmy Smith. Maybe they go out and get, Vic Beasley. They didn't have a super a lot of a huge amount of money last year because of that Joe Flacco contract, and they still were able to add Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram in free agency. A couple moves like that is all the Ravens need to re- reload on some of these positions because they've got nine total draft picks, nine total draft picks, and that brings us into the second news story of the week for the Baltimore Ravens, and that's Eric DaCosta's moves in free agency last year. Get the Ravens two new compensatory picks. A third-round pick for C.J. Mosley and a fourth-round pick for John Brown. I believe Terrell Suggs and the other free agent loss of Zadaria Smith are negated by the additions of Mark Ingram and Earl Thomas. So we get two comp picks, making the total number of picks we get nine because we also got a couple free picks from some other teams. So let's go down the list here before we talk about this. So the Ravens have a first-round pick, pick 28. Should have been 32 if they won the Super Bowl. They didn't win the Super Bowl because they choked against the Titans. So we've only got pick 28. But then we've got round 2, pick 60, round 3, pick 92. Round 3, pick 106 is our comp pick. And that one is for C.J. Mosley. Fourth round, we have a trade from New England. This pick is for Jermaine Illuminor. I believe it was Jermaine Illuminor, wasn't it? Jermaine Illuminor netted us a fourth-round pick. Man. I think we gave them a 6-2 or something. Yeah, we gave them a 6th. But who cares? 
because we get Jermaine Illuminar off and a fourth-round pick, an extra one we can spend wisely. Then we get our regular fourth-round pick, 134. Then we get a comp pick at 143. That's our third fourth-round picks. So day three is going to start off pretty busy for the Ravens with three picks in the fourth round. Then we skip over to round five, where we only have one pick. We should have had two picks. Well, I'm glad we don't have two picks, because I'll let you know in a second here why. But remember Kerry Vedvik, or Corey Vedvik, the punter slash kicker we traded to the Vikings? Yeah, they gave us a fifth-round pick for him, and it had no conditions on it. it. had nothing about him making the roster. It was just a plain fifth-round pick. He didn't make the roster. He ended up sucking for the Vikings, which is very strange because he was a very good kicker for the Ravens. But that's besides the point. The Vikings end up giving us a fifth-round pick. And with that extra fifth-round pick in mind, now we had two fifth-round picks. And we said, you know what? We don't need this other fifth-round pick. And we really don't need Kenny Young anymore because he was a disappointment. And no offense to Kenny Young. He just didn't work out for the Ravens. So he was a disappointment. So... The Ravens basically said, we don't need Kenny Young, we don't need this fifth round pick, but we need Marcus Peters. And they got Marcus Peters for Kenny Young. Kenny Young and a fifth round pick. Are you kidding me? I don't think you guys realize how hyped I was that day we got Marcus Peters. I was floored. I was floored. It was one of the best decisions the Ravens have made ever, period. The end. Semicolon. That's it. One of the best decisions the Ravens have ever made. Making that trade. And the value. I mean, they got finessed. Then they spent a first-round pick on Ramsey, which was no better for them. They got finessed hard by Eric DaCosta. And everybody he's traded with has been finessed hard. Even the Patriots got finessed with Jermaine Illuminor. What was the point of that one? To get him off our books. To get a fourth-round pick. Extra one. But for the Patriots, who knows? The Vikings got finessed. By this dude, Eric DaCosta. This dude, Eric DaCosta, is going to land himself in jail for scamming teams. I mean, he's out here just making moves like crazy. So, you know, we'll see what else he can do this offseason. Maybe in free agency next week, he's got something in store for us. Um, I mean, I just can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens. So, we'll see there. And, you know, then the trade of the New York Jets. That one is a seventh-round pick. I don't know where other seventh round one. I think maybe we just swapped it, but we got a better pick overall for Alex Lewis, I believe that was. And good for him because we just didn't need him, and I think it gave him a better chance with the Jets. I don't know what happened to him after the season, but great news for Eric DaCosta is he got a better pick from it. The Jets suck. They really suck. Got a better seventh round pick. So, again, just to recap here, round one, pick 28, round two, pick 60, round three, pick 92, round three, comp pick 106 for C.J. Mosley. Round 4, trade from New England for Jermaine Illuminor, 129. Round 4, 134, original pick. Round 4, 143, compensatory pick for John Brown. Round 5, 171 um, from Minnesota for Kari Vedvik. Round 7, 225, pick from the New York Jets for Alex Lewis. And here's the thing about the comp picks. For those of you that are kind of skeptical about the strategy here, it's worked tremendously well with the Ravens. They've had some really good picks in those comp picks. And the cool thing about it is that the Ravens can also trade these. Now, this was added a few years ago. I don't remember what year. Maybe it was 27 or something, 2017 or something like that. But the Ravens can trade these picks. They used to be untradeable. But trading comp picks allows ra- the Ravens 
to find better value and to use these picks. Now, the Ravens are the kings of comp, comp picks. They're the kings. Since 1994, and I remind you, there was no Baltimore Ravens franchise in 1994, but since 1994, the Baltimore Ravens have accrued 52 draft picks, extra draft picks, in the comp pick formula. That's a lot of comp picks, to say the least. So, basically, since their inception, because we're not going to count 1994 or 1995. So, that's 17 years from 1994 and 2020, counting the draft year. Um, so, in total, that's 15 years. The Ravens averaged 3.4 comp picks per year. Like, how on earth? Dallas is second with 43. They're tied with New England with 43 those two teams. We're ahead by nine total comp picks. No one catches up to us. Ain't nobody catching up to the Ravens on comp picks. And, of course, it's a great strategy. And with the trade value, I mean, it just adds a lot. So the Ravens might trade up to get somebody. They might trade down, get more picks. Who knows? All I want to know is that the Ravens have some moves to make. And they make good moves. Now, let's look at some free agents here. Because free agency, it starts next week, in case you haven't heard. New league year starts March 18th. Tampering period begins the 16th, um, which I believe is Monday. So we'll see how it all goes. Keep us, I'll keep you updated on BaltimoreFeather.com. We'll come back to this podcast after next week to recap um, the week in free agency, which is going to be popping. There's going to be a lot of moves. Uh, it's going to be fun. Now, SpotTrack isn't loading its free agent page, which is a little annoying because I was planning at looking at it for this podcast here. But let's 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 look somewhere else. So, first of all. The Ravens free agents that I want to that I want to pay attention to here because we've got guys that might leave the team, okay. And I want your opinion, so let me know what you think about each one of these players here. Um, pending free agents, pending free agents. Why is it not showing me this? This is really annoying. All of a sudden, uh, so let's go to NFL.com because their working spot track seems to be down. At 12.21 in the morning. Not sure what that's about. Um, not sorted by team here. Okay. Well, let's just let's just go with the flow here. So, let's look at wide receivers first. Because the wide receiver position is something the Ravens are going to want to upgrade at. Now, they've already got a speed guy in Marquise Brown. So, a guy like Nelson Aguilar with dropping problems. A guy like Philip Dorsett. Not exactly, Prashad Perryman, not exactly the kind of guy you're going to want to go out there and get. But there's not a lot of really amazing receivers out on the market. There's Emmanuel Sanders, another speed guy, but he can do some other things. Fun chest, not that great. Amari Cooper, I think, is probably the best receiver on the market, but are the Ravens going to want to spend Amari Cooper money? Uh, no, they're not going to do that. I'm telling you right now. I mean, the best, the best option for the Ravens is going to be to hope... Mohamed Sanu is cut as a cap casualty during the free agency period, hopefully a couple days into it, so big deals are already struck. Then he has to be the leftovers, and he's still a very good receiver. Didn't have a great year with the Patriots because, as we know, Tom Brady now sucks, and he is the number one quarterback on the market here, and spot track is officially down. Very annoying, but I'm not going to wait on this. Um, So, yeah, receiver, though. I mean, I could see them adding somebody like a Geronimo Allison maybe. 
Randall Cobb, maybe, although he's a little older now. Maybe they make a splash with Emmanuel Sanders and A.J. Green, old A.J. Green. Uh, who knows? We'll see what happens there. Tight end, they don't need to make that move unless they go out and trade away Hayden Hurst, but then I think they probably draft one late or add a, a really under-the-radar guy. Guards, I mean, we've got Graham Glasgow. We could spend money on Joe Thune, I've heard people like. Um, you know, I, I could see Thune coming into the Ravens. Glasgow might be a little bit more pricey. But we'll see. Um, looking at some of these defensive linemen here. Um, you know, the Ravens like to add defensive linemen. They've got a few that could potentially leave, like Michael Pierce. What happens to Michael Pierce? That's going to be a very good question. Um, you know, can the Ravens even try to re-sign him at this point? I mean, they can always try, but is it going to go anywhere? I kind of doubt it. But Pierce is a guy I'd like for a long time, so if, if they can somehow keep him, I'd like to see it. But honestly, I see him out the door at this point. Um, so maybe they go in and try to get someone to replace him, but they're not going to spend a lot of money. I just don't see it. Malik Collins, I don't know about that one. Uh, Leonard Williams, don't know about that one either. Gerald McCoy, you know, we tried it last year. It didn't work out. Um, so we'll see you there. Edge rushers, I love Vic Beasley as a discount guy. Maybe Dante Fowler could go lower on the market. A JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, if we lose Judon, maybe bringing in some of that experience, that might work as well, but I'm, we should not go after Jadavion Clowney. We should not be going after Shaquille Barrett. We should not be going after the guys that are going to cost too much. I mean, maybe Yannick Ngakwe could work, but he might cost too much. I don't think we should spend a whole lot on, the, on this position, especially because we have guys... Who are developing. Tyus Bowser took a big step. He went under the radar this year, but he took a big step for the Ravens. Had a lot more production under Wink Martindale this year than any previous year. And then also, don't sleep on the new guy, um, Jalen Ferguson from LA Tech. Very good at setting the edge against the run. I want to see him do a little bit more. I was really critical of him in college because he relied on the bull rush to do basically everything. But this year, he straight away from it. Setting the edge is something I saw him do this year that I really didn't see so much on the tape. Um, if he can get better at rushing the passer with still setting the edge, he could be a Terrell Suggs-like guy. Because that was Terrell Suggs, one of his best qualities was wrapping up the rusher, too. And, you know, there's, all, there's other connections to Terrell Suggs with Ferguson as well. Broke the sack record. Um, Suggs' sack record in the NCAA, of course, being drafted the year Suggs leaves. So there's a big question there. Linebackers Christian Kirksey, you know, he's been dealing with injuries over and over again with the Cleveland Browns, but he'll be on the market, will be cheap. Maybe the Ravens want to pick him up. Uh, Joe Sherbert, another guy from the Browns, could end up there. Cameron Wake's a pass rusher, so he's really not someone we're going to be looking at here. Um, but really, I'm not really floored with the linebackers cornerbacks maybe we add somebody on this market to replace Jimmy but if if Jimmy doesn't go high price we can get him as well and I'm I'm not here sitting around naming prices because I've been very bad historically at doing that the one thing I'm good at is evaluating wide receiver prospects the one thing I'm really bad at is saying numbers for free agents and it's just always wrong I need to get better at doing that so I'm trying to refrain from doing that Safety, don't need a safety at all, really. There's no reason to do that. Some interesting restricted free agents that I could see the Ravens um, going after. None. <laughs> None listed on here, at least, because Spot Track is down. Although Matt Skura is a restricted free agent, 
you know, that's something I think we should wrap up. You know, Metzger is a very important player, and I don't think we should let him go. I think, you know, even though he's coming off injury, I think it'd be best if the Ravens can hold on to him. So let's look at some other rumors, though. Um, I almost forgot about this. I'm, I'm interjecting this now. There is a rumor going around that Lamar, not Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's backup, Robert Griffin III, is going to be shopped around on the new league year. That's what's going around. Now, there's two things that could mean. Well, really three. If we add in that the Ravens thing, they can get serious compensation for him. So that's number one. That's that's obvious, though. The first thing is the Ravens uh, either... Well, this is both of them. The Ravens either have to be in love with Trace McSorley. I mean, they must see something that nobody else sees. And I love Trace McSorley. I think he's a great player. I think I think he... Honestly, I think Trace McSorley at some point could start for another team in this league. Not the Ravens, because we got Lamar and we're set for, for a very long time with him. But I think Trace McSorley is, is, he's got that drive that not a lot of players have. And I think at some point he could start for a team in the league. The question is when and where. But it could happen at some point. So maybe they love Trace McSorley as a backup, which, I mean, it's not that far off. We didn't see him play really at all this year except for a single snap, which I was really angry about. Why didn't they give McSorley more time against the Steelers in a meaningless game? I don't have an answer. Nobody's got an answer for that. They're just no one's gonna talk about that. But I digress. McSorley, maybe they love him. It's either that, or they love a prospect or two or three in the draft. And if that the latter is the case, it's gotta have something to do with Jalen Hurts. There's no other prospect I think that the Ravens would try to get if they're replacing RG three than Jalen Hurts. And if that's the case, if the Ravens end up trading RG three and drafting Jalen Hurts, then Trace McSorley is pretty much gone, because then there's no reason to keep him. Unless you're actually going to use him like Taysom Hill, which we have yet to do, there's no reason to keep him on the team. There just isn't. So, um, you know, who knows at that point. But very interested to see how that works out. So that could be something that happens. Looking at the running back's position, um, I believe... I believe Gus Edwards is an exclusive rights-free agent or something like that. I'm going back to these individual articles now because the spot track is still... To- oh, we are up. Spot track is up. Thank you. So the Ravens free agents I want to look at, obviously Tony Jefferson because he got cut. Um, other free agents, let's go down the list. Andre Smith was extended. I think he'll... So he'll probably be back at least for training camp. Redding Cresslis, you can count, is basically... Um, well, he's an ERFA, so maybe Fish Smithson, an ERFA, exclusive rights free agent. And for those of you that don't know about exclusive rights free agents, what that means is the le- the the Ravens really just have to pay them the league minimum to keep them, and that's it. Only the league minimum is paid for exclusive rights free agents. So whatever that would be, I believe it's going to be like 600000 for Gus Edwards, so he'll be back next year. They're just going to sign a check, and that's it. And it's a very low percentage of the cap space, obviously. Fish Smithson, I don't know. Maybe Matt Skura is a restricted rights-free agent. Let's take a look at his market value. So we'll see what they place on, on Matt Skura. Whoa. Okay, Track thinks he's getting $10 million per year. Factoring in Ryan Jensen's free agent salary. 
factoring in some other things here. You know, 10 million a year is going to be a lot for Skur. If we lose Skur, though, this offensive line is screwed because then we have no interior. So I imagine they're going to place a second-round tender on this guy. They've got to place a second-round tender. For what, that would mean the team signing him would have to give up, what is it, a second-round round pick or something like that? But, of course, the Ravens have a chance to match any offer that is given to Matt Skura. So if it's that under that $10 million and they just offer it, he's automatically back with the Ravens. So they, they're going to place a second-round tender on him. They're also going to um, probably match anything if someone tries to take him away or just take that second-round tender. Um, and, of course, they'll have to incur a higher cash penalty. I, believe. I forget the whole second-round tender thing. Resigning him is going to be a little bit riskier. He'd probably get paid more with that second. Uh, Matt Judon, obviously, a really questionable what's going to happen here situation. Track estimates he'll get $16.3 million per year somewhere. Dang, that's a lot of money. Um, mm, that hurts. That hurts a lot. You know, franchise tagging him is going to be $16.3 million. I think we could probably get him a long-term contract for less. You know, if you look at Suggs' contracts over the years, it's nowhere near that number every single year. So maybe we get less for Matt Judon if we do that. Uh, Hronis Grasso, you can count basically gone unless he works out a deal to come back at training camp. Parker Edinger, same thing. Well, he's an exclusive rights for agent, though. Jihad Ward is the guy I want back for sure. Um, I don't think it'll cost more than a few million a year, in all honesty. He's not even Spotrac isn't even is isn't even estimating his yearly contract here. Only was paid five hundred thousand dollars by the Ravens this past year. Maybe he gets a million or two. Honestly, sign him for two million. Call it a day. He was a very good player that came in at the last minute for the Ravens, and I want to see him back in the purple and black. So, Jihad Ward is a guy I think the Ravens could spend two million dollars on per year. Get him on a three-year contract for six million. Call it quits right there on him. Adds more depth to the defensive line. Keeps a good guy around. Chris Moore, that dude's gone. Chris Moore, the wide receiver, has been mm, so disappointing year in and year out. When is he actually going to show up? Maybe he's just not being given a chance, but he hasn't done much. Justin Ellis, a guy I could see the Ravens resigning, but I'm not sure if they're going to. Uh, the guy nicknamed Jelly had an okay impact, not as much as Jihad Ward. Pretty good impact, though, on the team. Could see him being resigned, but I'm not sure. D'Anthony Thomas is a guy I could see also being resigned as a return man because what is the Ravens' plan at return? Uh, return specialist right now. Without D'Anthony Thomas, there really isn't one. He'd be an easy fill on the roster unless they're eyeing somebody else. Maybe putting Marquise Brown as a punt returner too. Um, that's always an option because of his speed. The strong safety slash special teamer, Brendan Trawick. Uh, honestly, I don't expect him back, although it's very possible because the Ravens love their special teamers to bring him back. But I think he's going to look for a deal in the open market, a long-term deal. Josh Bynes is a guy I was hoping that maybe could come back. You know, we got LJ Fort. I like Josh Bynes. I also like Patrick Unwaso. If we got to take between the two, Unwaso might be the guy, although he's probably going to be more expensive. Track estimating Unwaso is going to earn a $4.8 million salary somewhere per year. Um, Josh Bynes earned $930,000 last year. You could probably sign him for $2 million per year. Although he's older, he's 31 compared to Unwaso being 28. So there's a lot to think about there in that one. Although Josh Bynes was more productive, in my opinion, than Patrick Unwaso. Although Unwaso was still 
integral to the defense. Josh Bynes was, was you know, kind of the stopgap that came in and fixed things when Onwaso couldn't really pull it all together himself. Tomata Pecco, I don't see coming back. He's 35. Um, I just don't see him coming back. When If you have the chance between Ellis and Pecco, you got to go with Ellis. Pernell McPhee is a maybe. I mean, it's possible the 31-year-old could come back, although he's coming off the IR. Maybe the Ravens don't want to deal with that injury situation again. But it's very possible. Anthony Levine is a guy I hope is brought back. You know, we don't have to pay him much. $1.52 million per year. We'll see how that goes. I think that they could probably get him back for somewhere around that number. Seth Roberts is a guy I want to see back to, wide receiver. Although, um, you know, he made $2 million last year. Track is estimating that he'll be making $7.1 per year after this year. I have no idea. I have... I, I, that one's weird. That one's really weird to me. They're, av- they're saying he's close to Tyler Lockett, Albert Wilson, Paul Richardson, Kenny Stills. I mean, Paul Richardson was overpaid for sure. Um, a lot of these guys were paid way too much money. Um, but 7.1 for Seth Roberts, if that's if that's what he's going for, let him make his money somewhere else because we can't pay that. No way. Um, Michael Pierce, we already talked about him. You know, his market value on Track, it's it's hot. It's hot. I mean, it's 4.7. It's higher than maybe the Ravens are going to want to pay. They could always wait out the market. If you remember the Brandon Williams, Brandon Williams was, I mean, as good as gone for the Ravens a few years ago in that that free agent situation ended up coming back on that huge deal. It's very possible the Ravens pull something like that with Michael Pierce, but we don't know yet. Then there's Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr. You know, the club option on, on Brandon Carr, we can get rid of him immediately, or we can keep him for that um, that number. What is it, $7 million? And then there's Jimmy Smith, who is a guy that Harbaugh wants back, but will the numbers add up? You know, he's has he ever had a full season? I don't think so, but or maybe he played a full season this year. Was he injured this year? I don't even remember. But Jimmy Smith, I mean, we like Jimmy Smith. You know, we as Ravens fans like Jimmy Smith, but he's not the best. I mean, we've had too many run-ins with injuries and suspensions with him. So, you know, we'll just see what happens with him. It, it, it's it's going to be touchy with Jimmy, but there's a good chance we lose him. So if I had to pick the safest bet to return on this roster in free agency. Um, it'd probably be Jihad Ward. Well, actually, it'd be Gus Edwards because he's an exclusive rights free agent. But guys, we could actually probably lose without trying, or with trying to keep back. Uh, I think Jihad Ward is someone who's got to be resigned fairly easily. I think Anthony Levine will probably be resigned fairly easily. Patrick Onwaso might go... Seth Roberts will probably go if that's the number he's getting because I'm not paying $7 million for third-string wide receiver. Even though even though I like Seth Roberts a lot, it's just not worth $7 million a year. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's going to be tough. There's a lot of guys I'm, I want back. I like a lot of these guys back. You know, my wish list is basically keep Michael Pierce, keep Peanut, Keep Josh Bynes and Seth Roberts and Anthony Levine and Jihad Ward if you can. If you can't, then I mean, there's nothing else you can do at that point. Jimmy Smith, I'd like to see you back for the right deal, but I'm not paying $10 million for Jimmy if that's the deal. I mean, if he if he accepts a four million a year, then it's a, you know, then it's a sign and done. Easy. I'll write the check today, but you know, I don't think that would happen. 
So we'll just see. We'll just see. Um, anyway, that is going to conclude this episode of Nest Talk. Please, before you go and subscribe to the Nest Talk podcast, before you rate it wherever you're listening to it, go wash your hands. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Keep hand sanitizer around you. And don't give in to the hysteria with the coronavirus. Don't be going and raiding your local Costco for all the toilet paper. Don't be going and, and you know, selling all your stocks at, at record lows. Don't be stupid. Just stay around. Wait this thing out. It'll we'll get better. I promise you that. You know, if Tom Hanks can get through it, we can all get through it. And, uh, yeah, so with that being said, this will wrap up today's episode of Nest Talk. I hope you enjoyed me rambling on for 56 minutes about the coronavirus and the NFL and everything else about the Ravens. Uh, if you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe, rate the podcast, listen to it every week. If you subscribe to wherever you're subscribing to it or subscribe to wherever you're listening to it right now, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, um, you'll get the weekly episode in your RSS feed, whatever the app might be, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, whether you're listening on YouTube, you'll get it. And that's also, it's, it's always great just to keep up with it. Uh, for Ravens news, go to BaltimoreFeather.com. Check out Dom's new article, Dominic. We've had him on the podcast a few weeks uh, ago and a, a few weeks before that too. His Dom Thoughts article on the new on, on the wide receiver position and some interesting ideas he's got. Uh, he thinks we're going to trade for Alshon Jeffrey or someone like Alshon Jeffrey. That'd be very interesting if that happens. We've got a lot of draft capital, so don't be surprised if something like that happens. Um, so go check out his article. And while you're there, subscribe to the email news list. The email news list um, subscription box is on the right side of the homepage. If you're on mobile, just scroll all the way down. You'll see it right there. So that wraps up today's episode of Nest Talk here on this. Well, now it's March 13th as it's 1240 in the morning, but I am going to upload this immediately. So it's a six o'clock release a.m. for all you morning commuters. If you're even working anymore because you might be off because of the coronavirus. So. Let me know how it's affecting you. Let me know if you think the NFL draft is going to get postponed. Hope it doesn't. Let's keep our fingers crossed. But, uh, yeah, this is Chris Linfont. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Don't sell all your stock. And don't run on toilet paper in Costco. Have a great uh, weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week on Nest, the next episode of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the Internet. Take care. Birdland Sports. For fans... Bye, fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.